Hey everybody, welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Whee! Ooh, that very fun, whimsical person. Uh, sitting across the screen from me is Ms. Lisa Linky, and the dulcet tones you're hearing, ugh, that's Misty Stinnett. And we're... <laughs> And we're getting off to a real strong start. I want to let you know that it is currently August 29th, Mm -hmm. 2020. We're timestamping the episodes. This episode's going to come out at the end of September. So let us know if we still have a post office. Mm -hmm. Let us know what things are looking like out there. Mm -hmm. If global warming's killed us all. And um, this is all that's left of the human race. How many hurricanes are happening now? Yeah. Are they having a party? Yeah. (laughs) Which natural disaster is like, hold my beer. So if you're joining us for the first time, well, if you're joining us for a second or third or 174th time, welcome back. If you're joining us for the first time. Welcome. Welcome. This is a podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book each week, and we try to summate all of the main ideas, think critically, view it with an intersectional eye, a comedic lens, a a feminist stance, and overall, who can care attitude. And I'm still stuck on summate because that is a tense of that verb, a usage of that verb that I haven't heard in forever, and I am pleased. Oh, yes. We want you to know this is a very dignified, eloquent... How do they say? Highbrow. Oh, highbrow posh. We all hope you're wearing your fancy hats and your little fascinators. And gloves. Silk gloves to hold your martini, darling. (laughs) (laughs) And I want you to know it's currently Saturday morning at 10.16 a.m. And you bet we're having our mid-morning martinis right now. Anyway. Shall we, we, darling? Oh, Lisa, I love your cuppy. It's a um, Yeti, and my friend Jen Taylor gave it. Uh, we have a group of friends in Chicago, and when I go home for Christmas every year, probably not this year, um, we all get together and we have what we call Friendsmas, and um, mm. we give each other gifts. And that was hers to me because she loves her Yeti because she's like, it keeps hot, drinks hot all day, or it keeps cool, drinks cool. And I was like, that's like the McDLT. Do you remember that bit? <laughs> It keeps the hot the side hot and the cool side cool. Oh my god, I do not remember that, but okay. I will. Say. Well, let's just let's just brag about our age. Well, what I will um, say is, I I am very discerning about, I, and what I refer to as a cuppy could be a, a cup with a straw that you have. It could be an amazing one hundred dollar thermos. Anything in between is a cuppy, but I'm very discerning. It has to fit into the cup holder, but it has to hold at least like. 20 to 24 ounces, if not more. Basically, it's like a yard of beer beverage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about in, in New Orleans, those those hurricanes. Frozen dr- yeah, 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 yeah. It's that, but it has to fit into a cup holder. It has and to have like a flat bottom so I can set it down while I pee in the French Quarter. <laughs> Who can care? We're here for self-help That's people. Right. Get it together. Also, it together. we cuss. We do cuss on this podcast um, because that's fucking life and it's how we talk and the world is burning. So what you need to know, our goals for this podcast are 
in a short amount of time to bring you something that can be of service, a new idea, maybe a perspective shifting piece of advice from an author, or maybe you go, ooh, I don't want to touch that book at all. So you'll know, (laughs) thank you, or not. You'll know if the book is worth your time and if you want to um, dig in further by the end of the episode. And if you love the book, we encourage you, please support the author, buy the book, hopefully from an independent bookstore. Yeah, because we can't cover everything. You know, we're not reading the book. This isn't an audio book version. Um, And no matter how many points we cover, the detail that the authors go into we cannot provide to you or spare you from, from time to time. So um, <laughs> there are links in show notes to books and to, to with, for, with full transparency, we have switched from Amazon to bookshop.org, which is an yeah. independent kind of like meta collaborator of independent bookstores across the country. And they, when we started looking at them, when I started buying from them at the beginning of the pandemic to provide relief to Amazon workers, um, and, yeah. and their warehouses, they had raised just under $4 million for independent booksellers across the country. And now it's over six. So a lot of people have shifted away, which makes me very happy. So we have a, a list our, on our affiliate shop and our link will provide us some amount of cash back, but I, I imagine it's pennies on the dollar and we haven't really benefited from it yet, but I do want to be transparent in that. The major point for me is just supporting independent bookstores. It is. If we saw a kickback, it'd be like a dollar. So it is. I just, for me, I feel I like to know what the affiliation is. And so I want to be transparent about that. I love that. And I also encourage everybody, circular economies are so cool. Borrow a book from a friend. If a book is, if a friend is like, Oh my gosh, have you read, you know, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse? And you're like, I haven't. Can I borrow it from you? That's a great way to save money during now. Um, but you know, your dollar counts. So did I miss anything about the intro? You sure didn't. You did such a great job and I'm so pleased. And we should just end it right here on a high note. Life is abundant, everybody. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Uh, Lisa, what are you bringing us today? Misty and listeners, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary, queer, uh, whatever you identify as. Yes. I want you to be prepared and I want you to be ready for one of the the best-selling self-help book of all time and one of the original self-help classics, Napoleon Hill's Think and grow rich exclamation point. Oh, the cover. I wasn't expecting the cover to look like that. It looks like a candy bar from like the 1950s. Like a Zagnut or something. Yeah, it does. It does. And by the way, I've never read this book. I've heard about this book. It's just kind of like been in my yeah. uh in the background for a long time. But everybody everybody knows this book. Let me tell you, I'm reading the original unedited text. Um my morning martini kicked in. But this is a 27 2017 published version of the original text. Oh, it's just republished. Is there anything different or updated about it? No, this is the original unedited text. I think there is like a publisher's forward, but... um. Great. And if you were to Mm -hmm. summate the book in one sentence... Oh, um, don't read it. Oh, okay. But I will (laughs) summate it as 
um, how to think and grow rich if you're a rich white male in the 1930s. I wish everyone could see Lisa's face. I'm Just sure they the way it. the way your face changed at the end was amazing. Okay, so let's dive in. The Kindle is eight dollars and forty nine cents. The hardcover is twenty dollars and fifty eight cents. Paperback twelve sixty nine. But you can find these much cheaper used. Audible is twenty four ninety five or one credit. Read by Eric Sinzetz. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but we will provide a link in bookshop.org. About the author from Wiki, Oliver Napoleon Hill, born October 26, 1883 and died in 1970, was an American self-help author. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Wiki. He's known for best for his book, Think and Grow Rich, which is among the 10 best-selling self-help books of all time. Some estimates, this is my in, uh, insertion, some estimates are over 70 million, but it's easily over 50 million. Copies sold? Mm-hmm. Like Louise Whoa. Hay, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think is like 25 and Louise Hay is like 40 or 50. So, um, Holy cow. Hill's works insisted that fervid expectations are essential to improving one's life. And most of his books were promoted as expounding principles to achieve quote success. And I'm going to tell you more about the author after the briefest summary of the book I can do. So you never have to read it. Wonderful. And for anyone else who is wondering, because I was fervid means intensely enthusiastic or passionate, especially to an excessive degree. Oh, yes. Here's a table of contents. There's an, like a publisher's introduction, which I think is probably from like the forties, um, the author's introduction. And then there are 15 chapters, a general introduction, and then these like 12 principles or 13 principles of how to achieve success, desire, okay. faith, auto suggestion, specialized knowledge, imagination, organized planning, decision, persistence, Power of the Mastermind, The Mystery of Sex Transmutation, you're welcome. What? The Subconscious Mind, The Brain, The Sixth Sense, and How to Outwit the Six Ghosts of Fear. I'm guessing the sixth sense is the penis. Oh, it's when you see dead people. Um, oh, okay. So With your penis. <laughs> <laughs> That's your third eye. As, yes. As someone who is not the owner of a penis... I just find it fascinating because it gets you better wages. Yeah. It gets you a lot of privilege. Oh, that's the sixth sense. It's like, ask for more money. Yeah, 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 yeah. And real quick for, um, I just looked it up very quickly because I was curious when this came out in relation to Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is one of the other best-selling books of all time, which we also thought was trash. Mm-hmm. The perennial turd. Yeah. Or canonical turd. Isn't that it? Canonical turd. Yep. Canonical turd, as Danby Dan Harris calls it. I love that Danby Dan Harris threw so much shade. Canonical turd is one of my favorite sayings. So good. Anyway, How to Win Friends and Influence People came out in 1936. So just a year before this one. So this seems like this was like the time that self-improvement was just blowing up. Well, you remember from when we covered Oracle at the supermarket, which if you haven't listened, I I really recommend you go back. It talks about the evolution of self-help and we're coming up at the intersection of paperback publishing in the 40s and 50s. Yes. So how some of these 
white males who are now deemed experts who, as Dale Carnegie, we know, changed his last name to make it sound like he was related to Andrew Carnegie. And but he wasn't at all. There's some shade going on here bit. too. Yeah. Um, with the Andrew, with Andrew Carnegie. So we're, we're in a time where self-help was new and credibility was quote unquote (laughs) was didn't need to be earned. It was stated in order to achieve publishing and then the self-help and then, and then excuse me, the paperback books came and that blasted these people into the stratosphere. Because suddenly so many more people could afford people. That's right. Books. They were so much cheaper. So it was way easier. And publishers could print so many more copies. It was this nexus of like owning a book for a period of time was truly a, a sign of being an upper class. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So an overall summary of this book, there are a lot of all caps in this book. So you constantly feel like you're being yelled at. Um, he bases the book over 20 years of research, which he said is at Andrew Carnegie's request. He quote unquote analyzed hundreds of well-known men, well-known uh, successful men, including Henry Ford, George Eastman of Eastman Kodak, Theodore Roosevelt, Wilbur Wright, Charles Schwab, Woodrow Wilson, Alexander Graham Bell, John D. Rockefeller, and many, many more. And each chapter is rife with examples of the richest men in history doing the things he describes in the book. There are many outdated and racist slurs in the book that for some reason, the estate of Napoleon Hill is kept in and still sells the original text as such without any amendments. Yeah. This was 2017. This was republished. This is the edited, the 2017 copyright of the unedited text. But with, I mean, could I stand like a precursor? I sure could. So there is a book called Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, written by a black man based off of this book. It's on Amazon and also on bookshop.org. And I'll link to that, which might be more appropriate for people who don't want to listen to the 1930s something racist ramblings of a white man. Great. Okay. So here we go to the chapter summaries. Um, after the author's preface, which is just a lot of yelling, um, chapter two, desire, the starting point of all achievement. So basically burning desire is required of all achievement. He lists out famous people who achieve their dreams because they had desire. The Wright brothers, um, Alexander Graham, but like the guy who worked with Thomas Edison, Thomas Edison. Um, here are the six steps for turning your desires into reality. One, fix in your mind the exact amount of money you desire. Be definite as to the amount. Three kajillion and 40 cents. Thank you. Uh, two, determine exactly what you intend to give in return for the money you desire. There is no sign. A nice pat on the back. Thank you. Three, establish a definite date when you intend to possess the money you desire. This afternoon. Wonderful. Four, create a definite plan for carrying out your desire and being at once, whether you are ready or not, to put this plan into action. Walking down the street topless. Okay. Five, write out a clear, concise statement of the amount of money you intend to acquire. Name the time limit for its acquisition. State what you intend to give in return for the money and describe clearly the plan through which you intend to accumulate it. Basically summarizing steps one through four. I was going to say, I think we're pretty airtight on this, people. Mm -hmm. Six, read your written statement aloud twice daily, once just before retiring at night and once after arising in the morning. And then this is in all caps. As you read, see and feel and believe yourself already in possession of the money. Okay. I... (laughs) I am so 
surprised that this book includes all caps. Excellently, excellently portrayed. Like, I just turned to a random page. Can you see the all caps? Oh throughout? my God. Yeah. It's very aggressive. Yeah. And also, you all know this, our longtime loyal listeners. I hate when somebody says, yeah, and then just believe it as a step. It's like, how the fuck do you do that? Well, he says you must follow these instructions. And he claims that these steps were given a stamp of approval by the late Thomas Edison for any definite goal. And he says there's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. Okay. Chapter three, faith, the visualization of and belief in the attainment of desire. So he starts talking about like faith and love and sex and how when you mix all these, you get a direct line to infinite intelligence which we now refer to as new thought. You may remember from Oracle, the supermarket coming out of the twenties into the thirties was the creation of new thought, which Mm -hmm. was this instead of, it, it was still based on religion, but instead of me talking to my pastor who would talk to God, it was me communicating with this infinite intelligence, me having a direct connection to a higher power. And it was so alluring at that time because everyone is coming out of the Great Depression. Everyone is feeling like Mm -hmm. helpless and they're just there. How appealing is it to hear, hey, if you think the right thoughts and take the right actions, you can achieve anything. Yeah. And basically blaming your poverty on you. Yes. Very victim blaming and very for anyone who is successful. It's, oh, I got here by myself. It's such an excellent episode. We will link to the Oracle at the Supermarket episode in show notes so you can find it really easily. Love it. So then he starts in with the law of attraction. He doesn't call it that by saying, or rather yelling, all thoughts which have been emotionalized, given feeling, and mixed with faith, begin immediately to translate themselves into their physical equivalent or counterpart. So basically, think it and it will appear, right? So he's talking about operating on vibrational levels, that kind of stuff. There are five elements to his self-confidence formula, but it's just agreeing with everything he said so far and then committing to practice the law of attraction, which at this point in time, they call auto-suggestion. Okay. And you know, what I've heard is the best part of this chapter is how he takes a minute to really acknowledge institutionalized racism, systemic oppression, and and say that, yeah, if you're having trouble manifesting these things, even if you're doing everything right, it might be be because there's a lot of systems of power working against you. Well, he's a white man. He doesn't think about that. Um, chapter four, auto suggestion, the medium for influencing the subconscious mind. So the law of attraction is auto suggestion. And it first appeared as a term in like 1920. So if you're doing the self-confidence formula, you're going to a quiet spot and visualize and say out loud when you're going to have the specific amount that you said, and you keep a written copy where you can see it morning and night. And I'm just thinking of all these poor housewives who are like, I can't use my mirror because my husband has taken up an entire page of paper with this bullshit that I know is not going to come true. (laughs) And it's really annoying. And he says it out loud every morning and night and I have to support him or he'll, you know, leave me. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are no real options for me to have (laughs) economic stability on my own. Chapter five, specialized knowledge, personal experiences or observations. So this chapter is a snake eating its own tail of talking about education and knowledge and that there's a difference between specialized knowledge and generalized knowledge. And he also identifies Henry Ford's mastermind groups, many of which people have today in some form. And now they're often called accountability groups. Wait, what is what's a mastermind group? 
where you get a lot of people together who are like-minded and you talk about your goals. Oh, okay. So is... You've heard of these. People have mastermind groups, especially no, in LA. Never heard it ca- I've never heard it called that before. I it's Two things come to mind really quickly. The first is that I do understand the power of if you want to adopt a new behavior or a mindset, something really powerful that you can do is to surround yourself with people where that behavior is already normalized. This is not what he's talking about. Okay. But then the other thing is that people talk about in business, how wildly detrimental it is when you accidentally hire or on purpose hire people all with the same mindset, because then you never get this like diverse culture of thinking and different ideas and it can really inhibit. Yeah. So this is different. This is like you seeking out people who are like-minded in achieving success okay, and want to use your like cumulative, um, abilities to now they really call them accountability groups, but often they're called mastermind groups here, especially here in LA. Um, there's a lot of discussion about how you can purchase knowledge in various forms, like courses by mail or having a library card and, um, or degrees, but overall he's pitching this concept that ideas are worth more than degrees and that an idea will generate more money than a degree will. So like if you become a lawyer, you are kind of capped at what a lawyer can make. But if you come up with a new idea that is worth, you know, a million dollars, well, that's, that's, that's the thing. Well, I mean, one would argue that if you have the privilege and means with which to get a degree, you would then be surrounded by more like-minded people that you might meet at your university. So, I mean, to read this almost a hundred years later is just—it's a time capsule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no wait—it's a time what capsule? There is—I no, love the way you said that. I hate saying time capsule. Time capsule. Well, listen, remember, this is a very posh, um, very fancy time capsule. <laughs> You know, there's no concept of race other than to use derogatory slurs. There's no concept mm-hmm. of equality between the sexes. There's no concept of um, privilege. There's no concept of institutionalized oppression. It's just not Yeah, there. and it sounds like there's a lot of assumptions of having access. But and that isn't even, it wasn't written for these people. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying even so, like, it doesn't even sound like it's like necessarily to all white men. It sounds like it's to a specific economic class. Of no, with that, I challenge you know? that. It was written for all white men because it's selling them a lie. Ah, okay. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so chapter six, imagination, the workshop of the mind. Okay. Now this is some straight up bullshit in this chapter. He claims that there are two (laughs) forms of imagination, synthetic imagination, where people just arrange old concepts and ideas into new combinations. And then this motherfucker claims that this faculty creates nothing. And then there's creative imagination where the finite mind of man communicates with the infinite intelligence and hunches and inspiration are received. And then he says, you have to read this book three times until you understand it. And there are stories about ideas being transmuted into cash because they had the exact desire, yada, 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 yada. But I wholeheartedly disagree with the, with the concept that some creativity is better than other creativity and, you know, entire industries and multimillionaire multimillionaires, if that's what your goal is, were, were created based on rearranging old things. Like however you disrupt an industry is basically rearranging, you know, like Uber. Oh, a hundred percent. I am so with you on this, Lisa. And it's also this idea that like, 
knowledge is cumulative and we really do stand on the backs of our ancestors and the people who came before us. Yes. Like we, Elon Musk, if he gets us to Mars, he's not doing that without NASA and all of the pilots that came before him and all of the scientists 100%. and physicists. And it's like, you can't just come up with that brand new fucking thing out of nowhere. That's ridiculous. I don't know if somebody's dragging a bumper up my street, but that's what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> but here's the other thing I'll just say is like, what he's doing is setting it up so that you have to be able to do this communication with the infinite intelligence in order to get the ideas that are going to give you money. And if you're not practicing these things right, you're not going to do it. I mean, he's setting himself up perfectly to be like, well, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Well, yeah, this is, this is, I think, collectively our biggest qualm with new age, new thought, the law of attraction, mm -hmm. because they go, well, listen, there's this one key piece you need and you'll know it when it happens. Like you'll know when you know, and if you don't know, you're not doing it right. And that's just the most convenient, ridiculous mm -hmm. bullshit, yeah. non-accountability. Chapter seven, organized planning, the crystallization of desire into action. This chapter is a summary of attributes of good leadership and failures in leadership. None are groundbreaking. Um, there are also 30 major causes of being classified a quote failure in life, including 30 un mm -hmm, unfavorable he hereditary background, insufficient education, lack of a controlled sexual urge, intolerance, ha, that that means towards ideas at that time, they had no concept of intolerance toward race, intemperance, and a lack of capital. It also has a lot of discussion about, quote, opportunities and markets, which are no longer relevant because it talked about marketing <laughs> and radio. We're going to breeze right through this. <laughs> Chapter eight, decision, the mastery of procrastination. Well, real quick, Lisa, before we move on to chapter eight, in a, in a fucked up way, and I haven't read this book, but I'm assuming that because he said these are, these are ways in which you are classified a failure, he, that in a bizarre way, is a shitty intersectional part of the book, right? Yeah. yeah. Although it isn't, it isn't saying none of these are your fault. Right. It's saying like, hey, you're a loser if you were born into the wrong body. Irish? Sorry. Oh. Um, okay. Chapter eight. I love that you're like, that's a, sh this is this, you guys, this is the <laughs> gift that Misty brings to this. <laughs> While I am over here just taking hot steaming dumps on this book, Misty is like, but actually, that dump could be useful. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not, I mean, yes, I do try to do that. In this case, that dump is not useful. And if you want to, if you want to listen to a fun episode where the roles are reversed, listen to how white hot angry I get when I review the power of positive thinking. And Lisa the whole time is like, well, okay, what about, and I'm like, I can't with this book. <laughs> uh, there's not room in this town for two Lisas. Let's get real. Also, there are books we both adore. So yes. if it's your first time here, there's lots of good stuff, but like, damn, this shit from the early 20th century is rough. Yeah. Okay, so decision again, the mastery of procrastination. Mm. Um, here's what the I mastery have written. of procrastination. <laughs> the mastery. Oh, I got that covered. Here's what I have written Sam Adams, John Hancock. There's stories about them. Indecision is procrastination, which is a major cause of failure. People with money, he claims, reach decisions quickly and change their minds slowly. 
Cool, 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 cool. No. Chapter nine. Measure twice, cut once. Thank you. Persistence. The sustained effort necessary to induce faith. Okay. How to develop, thank you. How to develop persistence. One, have a definite purpose backed by a burning desire. Two, I agree. Definite plan. Three, a mind closed tightly against all negative and discouraging influences, including people. Have a mind. And four, have a friendly alliance with one or more persons who will encourage you to follow through with plan and purpose. I agree with two of those things, but having like a definite plan is like, no, you got to be able to roll with the punches, having a loose plan of how you're going to get there. You know, when things like a global pandemic hit, you might have to change up your plan. Oh, I'm sorry, Misty, if you're a white man in the 1930s, (laughs) things go according to your timeline. Oh, yes, the world is made for me and I have a sixth sense through my penis and it tells me (laughs) what my my plan is when. It's my third eye. No, no, I'm just imagining a penis with an eye on the end of it. And it is hot. Look, Elisa. Elisa's Elisa's doing a hand situation. Anyway, but, but I agree that if people are actively trying to discourage you or don't understand what you're doing, you definitely have to persevere against that. Is her name Sarah Blakely, the woman who invented Spanx? Sure. When she tried to get her product made, a bunch of manufacturers turned her down and were like, this is never going to sell anyway. So there's that. But like, you do need to listen to feedback and it's not all going to be, I love your product. My friend Kenji was her CFO for a while. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay, here we go. There, We're in chapter 10. I want to blow through most of these because the next chapter you're going to have a lot of questions about. Um, Okay. I just love your, the frequency of the term blow through in this episode is really doing it. I'm rolling my Misty's eyes rolling for eyes. anyone. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 10. Power of the mastermind. The driving force. Power is required for the accumulation of money. Power is required for the retention of that money. And here's where we get a little crazy. He's, he says there's a psychic phase of a mastermind group. Like your brain and their brain hook up making like a third brain. He's talking about like group mind, but he takes into a place where if two or more people are working in harmony, they can connect to the infinite intelligence. It's like a human Ouija board. That's right. Chapter 11, the mystery of sex transmutation. Say more. This chapter is so fucked up. But basically, (laughs) if you can channel your sexual desire into another outlet, you'll become a genius. He says, oh, like George Washington, William Shakespeare, Abraham Lincoln, and Oscar Wilde, to which I said, bitch, do you know Oscar Wilde? (laughs) Uh, He says, scientific research has disclosed these facts. One, the men of greatest achievement are men with highly developed sex natures. Blue balls. Thank you. Men who have learned the art of sex transmutation. Two. The men who have accumulated great fortunes and achieved outstanding recognition in literature, art, industry, architecture, and the professions were motivated by the influence of a woman. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's basically saying, harness your sexual energy into creating things rather than fucking. He says men don't succeed until after 40 because they can't learn how to transmutate their sexual energy until then. There's a <laughs> lot of blaming on women for permitting their husbands to lose interest in her and men are polygamous by nature. And that bullshit is rampant through this chapter. Boys will be boys. Thank you. Chapter 12, the subconscious mind, the connecting link. 
Again, this is all new thought. Subconscious mind is the connection between the finite and the infinite. Chapter 13, the brain, a broadcasting and receiving station for thought. Thank you. Wow. This, this is really is eight pages. It's the shortest chapter in the book. <laughs> it's about subconscious mind, creative imagination and auto suggestion, how they all work together to make telepathy. He literally talks about ESP as being researched and it's proven in science. But I guarantee he doesn't link to any peer-reviewed articles or have any footnotes at the bottom. Mm. Chapter 14, the sixth sense, the door to the temple of wisdom. (laughs) So this is how you get communication from the infinite intelligence. Somewhere in the brain, he claims, an organ not yet discovered is devoted to getting, quote, hunches and your sixth sense. And this is his apex skill. You can only master this when you've mastered the previous 12. Uh, There's an organ within an organ that has yet to be discovered. And that's the key to it all. It's the eye of my penis. It's the infinite door to the weenie. And (laughs) (laughs) that should not have gotten you that hard. Lisa is like, (laughs) okay, one more chapter. And then I have a lot to say. Okay, please. Chapter 15, how to outwit the six ghosts of fear. So this chapter outlines and explains the quote cure to the six basic fears that although often hidden in the subconscious hold humans back in their pursuit of riches, the fear of poverty, fear of criticism, fear of ill health, fear of loss of love, fear of old age, and the fear of death. And each is given symptoms so you can like diagnose yourself. And he claims to give the cure, but he really doesn't. He does a couple stories. I'm sorry. Say again, it's Old age, death, loss of love, ill health, fear of criticism, and fear of poverty. Okay. Yeah, those seem legit. Those seem like fears. That's the book. Oof. Napoleon Hill is a con man and a fraud. 100%. Great. Say more. I'm linking to an article in show notes from Gizmodo. And he bases this entire work saying that Andrew Carnegie asked him to do this research. Mm -hmm. Carnegie's most well-known biographer says there is no record that the two ever met. Oh my God. Napoleon Hill did not make these claims about his meeting with Carnegie until after Carnegie's death. All the documentation proving that Hill had met with all these famous people to talk to them and interview them were destroyed in a fire. Oh my God. The only person that he can confirm that he met was Thomas Edison. The secret is based off of everything in this book. Oh my God, no, yeah. no. So this article that I'm linking to um, is called The Untold Story of Napoleon Hill, the Greatest Self-Help Scammer of All Time. And it was oh written God. by Matt Novak. And this is from 2016. So I'm just going to share a couple, uh, a quote with you and then some other facts. Here we go. He says, you can see the influence of Hill and everything from the success sermons of Tony Robbins to the crooked business dealings of Trump University. In fact, you can draw a direct line to Donald Trump's way of thinking through Norman Vincent Peale, an ardent follower of Napoleon Hill. And Reverend Norman Peel, Vincent Peale wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which is a trash, trash, trash dumpster fire book. He says, Nor- Reverend Peel, author of the 1952 book, The Power of Positive Thinking, was Donald Trump's pastor as a child, which we talked about when we covered that book, too. Yeah. And in, in that episode, I linked to an article in show notes about exactly how that connection created the narcissistic monster that is in the White House right now. It's really insane. So here's two quotes, and then I'm going to tell you some facts. 
Matt Novak says every business venture he tried had some shady dealing that would cause it to crumble. And one of his flaws was that he was too trusting. His associates would steal money from him and point fingers at him as the thief. Here are some facts about Napoleon Hill. He was married at least five times. There is an intimation in the biography of uh, of Napoleon Hill that he covered up the killing of a young black boy. <gasps> he visited whorehouses and he kidnapped his own daughter from her mother who claimed he was violent when she filed for divorce. He had a son born deaf with his third wife and refused to let the boy learn ASL. He was determined to single-handedly teach him to speak and hear. Oh my God. Uh, he was accused of fraud many times in many businesses. He claimed he was a lawyer once he moved to Chicago. There's no record of him attending law school. He was accused of mail fraud while living in Chicago. He claimed he was in the Oval Office and helped, and helped Wilson negotiate the terms for the armistice of World War I. And he operated by, although there's no documentation on any, on anything on the backside saying that. Oh my God. He says that he added the fourth agreement to the armistice. Uh-huh. He operated by a quote, golden rule. If you did someone a kindness, they would be indebted to you. And Misty, those facts are just from the first half of the article. Oh my God. So this, okay. For anyone joining us for the first time and or new, newish to the podcast, this is why we have done so many episodes, right? Like a hundred, I think this is like episode 181 because this kind of fuckery causes damage. People die and have died, many documented because of the consequences of new age thought. Look at the leadership of the United States today. These are the consequences of not thinking critically and holding authors accountable. Now, I don't say that in a way to blame us for these people, but we, we have to really think about what kind of thought processes we are willing to let into our brains. We have yes. to not support authors with dollars when they have damaging rhetoric like this. Well, this it insane. also brings up this idea of should the self-help industry be regulated because. Yes. It, once again, which is rampant in our government and in capitalism, the the weight and the bit and the brunt of these decisions are placed on the end consumer or the citizen. Mm-hmm. So it's my responsibility to figure out if a publisher has has given somebody credibility where they should not have. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility to avoid getting coronavirus because there's no federal mandate on how right. to address this. It's my responsibility to not get shot because there's no federal, you know, mm-hmm. um, law on, on guns. Like it's all on me, yeah. but I keep giving it up to like the people in power saying, well, you know, it's, I, I should have done this. I should have done this. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. getting a little esoteric there and I want to bring it back by just saying, please listen to that Oracle in the supermarket episode. It's fascinating. It really explains a lot of things that we just take for granted today. And it puts into context why they arose in, in terms of history and where, where they were. So another article that I read about this, you know, says that Napoleon Hill did not think and grow rich. He claimed credibility falsely, Mm -hmm. wrote a book and then got rich. Yes. It sounds like 
some modern day authors as well. This is one of our biggest guests with Jen Sincero of You Are a Badass and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of other people. But what I'm hearing the most from all of this, and we do have a mini-sode, by the way, where Lisa and I have a discussion about whether or not we think the self-help industry needs to be regulated. It was a je provoque that you asked me, you know, a long time ago. And it's fascinating because it's it's kind of like if we regulate medicine and that affects our health, like maybe we should be considering these things because it does affect yes, our and health. Listen, a lot of like this auto suggestion is based on the placebo effect, which is real. It's a real thing. But that doesn't mean that you can just tell people to think what they want to think and it'll come true. And I yeah. also, oh my God, Misty, also this motherfucker ran a fake university and finally got sued for it. Wow, sounds like. What does that remind you of? Thank you. Okay, let's wrap this shit up. (laughs) Okay, so let me burn this book. Okay, I think you and I are exercising a lot of self restraint. Oh, you know, I want to burn it live. I'm gonna commend both of us on not (laughs) not bursting into flames on this episode. So I'm just gonna ask you a few quick questions. Thank you. Also, I used the methodology from How to Take Smart Notes on how to create my chapter summaries. How did that go? How did you feel? It was really easy because, I mean, I'd read this book before once in a group and I stopped halfway because I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Um, Mm -hmm. But secondly, it was really easy to boil it down to a sentence because this book is just a pile of horseshit. So that helped. Wonderful. Good. Mm -hmm. Did this book need to be written? (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. What did you try to put on? I think it helped expand the the paperback publishing industry, which made owning books available to a lot of people who previously didn't. So in that sense, in that context, yes, it stimulated the sales. But would it have been better if it was like, you are a good person just for existing and it doesn't matter what your hereditary background is? Yes. Well, I I want to push back on this because... How to Win Friends and Influence People a year before did the same thing. And my question is, did this book need to be written? It sounds like you could insert any paperback here and maybe it would have helped to do that. Or there had already been behemoths that came. This one spread like wildfire. I Mm -hmm. don't know that any other book would have spread and made publishers say, publishing paperback books is important. Getting books into the hands of all walks of life is important. Mm. So through that lens, I'm going to say yes. Through any other lens, no. Holy shit, dude. Wow. I really really blew your mind there. You did. And I'm with you. I hear you. I'm here Mm -hmm. for this. What did you try to put into practice from this book, Lise? And how did that go? The first time I read this was in a book club. And I did try to put into practice writing down like I wanted to be a series regular. I estimated what that would be. I wrote down that thing. And then when I shared it with a person, the look on their face was like, I could tell that they were like, that's not realistic. And I was like, oh, okay. Don't ever share this with anyone. Oh, <laughs> it made me feel stupid. But, um, but a lot of people don't understand that. Like I, for me, someone who understands the television business, if you oh, this was somebody in things- television. Oh shit. Well, listen, if you, I want you to say it to me off, off camera and, uh, I will validate the shit out of you. Thank you. It was by this year. So it wouldn't have happened anyway. So fuck you, Napoleon Hill. But you know what? I haven't been doing it morning and night. So that's my fault. That's it. And your wife, you got to tape it over your wife's mirror is what I was hearing. Zoe, 
Get ready to lose a mirror. Oh, Zoe is Lisa's landlord. She likes to chew on bones. I'm not going to ask if you feel the author missed anything because we've already covered it. That's right. Who would you buy this book for and who would you never buy it for? I would buy this book for somebody who is interested in how new thought came about and what it looks like. I would never buy this for anyone. (laughs) And ideally, you find a used book or it in a little free library or you borrow it from someone so that Napoleon Hill's estate gets nothing additional uh, from this book. You also like find it and burn it so nobody else suffers. But that's that we're not telling everyone to burn books, but we're just saying that if you feel you're right so passionately that the book maybe its intrinsic value is being used as heat more than the knowledge in it, that's cool. Or so, like a you know a a thing under a wobbly table table leg to stabilize a table. Mm-hmm. I love that. We can make use of anything. Table with a wobbly leg. With a wobbly leg, because you don't want your mid-morning martini to sort of spill on your podcasting gloves. It's dry. It's a dry martini. (laughs) I drank it all. (laughs) It's a dry martini. Okay, Lisa, do I have any homework? Please say I do not. Oh my God. Absolutely not. Thank you. Okay. We're letting everyone off the hook because we don't, I don't want to give this author any more time. No. Well, listen, I do want everyone to think critically and I'd like for you all to grow wealthy in whatever capacity that means for you. Is wealth for you more time with your family? Is wealth for you having more self-care? Is wealth monetary success? Whatever that is for you, I do want you to um, think and grow those things, but not with these methods, baby. Thank you. And with that, life life is is abundant. abundant. Oh my God. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at ghypodcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.